Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the marvellous Alan Kilner-Johnson. We're talking about reflective processes and how reflection can be really useful in terms of developing your research and also grounding you in your own journey through the PhD. And as well as that, we talk about the power of connecting to seasonal practices. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. really good to see you again it is again to see you again yes Um, and that is so gorgeous so you have been on the podcast before um we work together quite a lot um and we have to say that at the beginning um I think you're awesome and I I think this you have so much wisdom that that's why I think absolutely worth um talking to you again because one one episode is not enough um so thank you for coming back uh to talk to talk again oh thank you so much Emma. the reason we keep working together is because you're so fantastic as well so it's always a pleasure talking with you Bless you. this is just becoming a mutual appreciation society but um yes. it, this is <laughs> this is it is it's it's great and I, th- I think what we found isn't it that both of us care deeply about mental health and well-being for researchers and we both come through an academic background, and we have practices that have supported us within that academic work. So I, I think it's just been brilliant for, for me. I don't know how it's been for you, but it's been brilliant for me to find somebody else on a very similar journey and just uh, to be able to um, talk to you and um, create programs and things with you has been amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much sort of shared experience that we have from our past, but both very different perspectives that we bring. We we haven't lived exactly the same lives, but those sort of those experiences that have overlapped in terms of the challenges we faced in our academic experiences and the practices and the disciplines we've developed to support ourselves through that. And the, you know, the value that we place upon supporting that new generation of researchers. There's so much that we do have in common along those lines. Definitely. And it's that thing, isn't there, which I'm sure people listening can relate to in terms of feeling like you're a bit countercultural, doing things a little bit differently to how other people do it. And then finding um, someone else who speaks the same language around it is just so brilliant. And they, they people are out there. It's a whole big, wonderful world. So I'm just encouraging people if you if you are feeling like, oh, no, no one's really getting me at the moment, that um, keep looking because you, you'll find them. <laughs> you will find them. Absolutely spot on. Um, so today we're going to um, talk about uh, reflective processes. Um, and we usually start with asking people about their PhD journey. Of course, we've already asked you about that. So what um, what I would like to ask you about is your, your own um, research and how reflective processes have been um, useful for you in that? Yeah, absolutely. So my my reflective processes have, have changed and evolved throughout my, my life and professional career, but it all really goes back to a, a book that I first came across when I was 16 years old 
called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Oh, yes. And I'm sure that many of your listeners will be familiar with that. It's really a, a classic in the field of creativity and, and development. And I was visiting my older sister at the time when I was 16, and um, she's a number of years older than me and was a, a quite successful producer at a large international news broadcasting company. And I saw this, this book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron on her shelf, and I picked it up. And it completely blew my mind. Amazing. And it started me in a, a multi-year practice of what Cameron calls morning pages, where you sit down every morning and do three pages of stream of consciousness handwriting. And then at the end of the week, you reflect on that and think about where you got to over the course of that week. And then you have the opportunity to use that as a, as a way to dip into reflection. So I stuck with morning pages for a number of years and, and then that process of reflection began to change and evolve as I moved through university and through postgraduate research and my academic roles. There's always been some sort of reflective practice for me. Um, after the morning pages, I moved to gratitude journaling and I would use um, gratitude reflections who I was grateful for that month or that week or that day as an opportunity to reflect and to recollect and to recount where I came from and where I was going. Um, there are also loads of sort of commercial journals in the market that I've used um, to do the big end of year reviews, mm. um, things like definitely not sponsored by any of these people, so, but just sort of things like Daily Greatness Journal, Legend Planner, um, six, six Minute Diary, um, some of the really, really good ones that I've used. And because that, that system of reflection has changed for me and evolved and looked a little bit different every single year, the one thing that I do try to keep the same every year is allowing that period between Christmas and New Year to, to become that whole period of reflection for me. And I, you know, I'm an academic, so I'm not usually working that, that week between Christmas and New Year. Mm-hmm. And I see that as that, that opportunity just to go inward and just to reflect. And, you know, whether I'm doing that through stream of consciousness morning pages or whether I'm doing it through um, a sort of a commercial journal or diary that I purchased, I still use that period of time every year just to connect with what happened in the previous year and to begin thinking about the lessons gained in, in the previous year can serve me into the year ahead. Love that. I love that. And I've just written down Legend Planner because I haven't come across that and I am going to go Google that because that sounds really good. Um, and we will have we'll have um, all the references um, in the show notes so uh, you can uh, have a look and see what might work for you too. Um, but I love there that you were just talking about this this time of year as a kind of reflective time, because of course we we're just about as we're recording this now we're just about to go into um, the Advent season, which is it's kind of traditionally a time of taking stock, reflection, as well as preparation, um, and we I know we share this sense of the importance of kind of attending to what's going on seasonally um as well as um what's going on within the kind of that academic year and the way that that works um and so thinking about this this taking stock time and how you might make use of that as a phd researcher when before we came on we were just talking about how in academia we're very sort of forward focused what's the next thing what we what we're going on to what's how we're going to develop this and actually not so good on 
thinking back, tracking back. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to let you get a word in edgeways now because I've just went off on a little bit of a rant. <laughs> Tell us what your thinking is about this sort of Advent season. Yeah, well, no, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that so many of the messages that we receive as researchers or people working in higher education is that we constantly have to be moving forward, moving to the next thing, moving to the next project, moving to the next chapter. And the whole part of that forward momentum story that we're not told as often is that to move forward, we need to continuously reflect and reconnect to where we've come from. Mm. When I was going through my, my lecture train a few years ago, learning how to, to lecture and to teach, I remember one of the, the facilitators shared the David Cole experiential learning model with yes. us, which is sort of a four-part circle. Um, and, I, and I looked at the words on the screen describing Kolb's experiential learning model. I thought, well, that's that's like the four seasons of the year, basically, because um, let me see if I can remember um, the, the four words going around. It's concrete experience, which then flows into reflective observation. And then after you've done reflective observation, then it goes to abstract conceptualization, then active experimentation, then you have a new concrete experience. So it's this theory about how we learn by trying something out, reflecting on how it went, making plans for the future, and then trying something slightly different again. So that's how university lecturers are taught to teach their students, giving them something to try, something to practice with, opportunity to reflect, and then opportunity to grow. And that's very much how we can be thinking about our own research mm -hmm. as well. And you know that's, that model of the Kolb cycle of experiential learning really holds true in any academic discipline, whether it's English literature, which is my home discipline, or mechanical engineering, the idea of having an idea reflecting on how that experience went, beginning a process of that abstract conceptualization to then move on to a new concept. And we move through that, that Kolb cycle of experiential learning um, at different stages throughout our research. We're constantly coming up with new ideas, testing out their boundaries, putting them into new contexts. But I think there's also something lovely about the, the meta image of those four parts of the Kolb experiential learning cycle throughout the year. Um, because you know one of the, the big parts that David Kolb spoke about was the importance of reflective observation in any learning process, any research process. You can't just read a lot and think a lot and try something out once. To really embody something, to really create new knowledge, it takes that, that process of reflective observation. So that's what we do when we look back and critically evaluate our own work. But isn't it also lovely? We have this cold, dismal time of year when we're all inside, surrounded by candles and, and comfy blankets and pillows. And there's something in the natural world that's encouraging us, it seems, to turn inward, to become mm -hmm. more reflective and to use the time of year just to, you know, take stock of where we've come from. Yes. Yes. That's so gorgeous. That's so gorgeous. And I think really speaks to what I know a lot of PhD researchers experience in terms of feeling like they're not getting anywhere, yeah. <laughs> feeling like no nothing is progressing. And that sense of looking back, I was, I was, again, before we start, I was talking to you about this, um, this gorgeous book that I use every year is goodbye, whatever year it was. Hello, the new year that's coming. I've just ordered my new one. I'm very excited. It's yellow this year. Um, and 
every year it, it asks, invites you to look back at um, where you were this time last year, how you were feeling, when what you were looking ahead to, and then to have the milestones of the year, what's happened during that year. And I am always surprised at, at what's happened because I kind of, I, I forget because <laughs> things move on. Lots of things have happened and just really encouraging people to, to do that for themselves, to think back, because when you think back, about where you've come, what you've what you've done, you will guarantee you be surprised about the the, the process that has that has happened, um, the conversations you've had that bring you to this moment. And I also think it's really important as a PhD researcher because that material goes into your introduction. That is that's the stuff that um, your examiner will want to hear about in terms of how has this journey been for you what have you learned along the way not just about where you've got to at the end absolutely absolutely and yeah there's something about moving from structured talk programs of an undergraduate degree or master's level degree where you have regular opportunities for that really formalized feedback you know essays at the end of every semester or whatever with with phd research there are still regular supervisions and progress reviews and such, but there can be long periods of time when PhD researchers don't necessarily um, get that external reminder that they're on the right path, that they're doing what they need to be doing. And it's very often times where imposter syndrome can come from because we can go as researchers working by ourselves or working in a small team and be doing our stuff, but not really having the opportunity to evaluate that against where we were in our knowledge and our research and our science six months ago or a year ago. So we might begin to think, oh, well, you know, I must not be doing well enough. I must not be doing as good as my peers. Mm -hmm. So that process of reflection becomes even more important, I would say, at the the PhD research level. And it's it's how we begin to train our own instincts as researchers. Definitely, definitely. And I know we've spoken on the podcast before about journaling and the journaling practice is really useful to having a a research journal you talked about the julia cameron and the morning pages i know some people do that and they find it really really useful as a kind of as a warming up exercise for writing as well as a kind of processing um uh uh tool um and I think also this seasonal aspect as well of kind of just tending to the season, which is what we've been trying to, we do this thing called PhD circle, yes. um, which we do every month and it kind of attends to the theme of the month, doesn't it? Um, and encourages people to think about, because again, I think as a PhD researcher, you don't have that, that same kind of, just like you don't get the feedback, you don't have the same kind of, it's the beginning of the autumn term, it's the summer. It's the, so actually kind of going, where am I seasoning? Let's mark the year through. Um there's something about that of kind of coming dropping down out of that of that of the mind into okay where am I at orientating myself reflecting and being in in the season absolutely and there's something so nice about being able to do that in a group setting as well um, oh, I love as it. In PhD life wrap circle yeah. yeah yeah I love it and I I just think um it's just it's so useful to, as you say to be in community and hear what other what's going on for other people um as well and uh, to know that you're not alone in that um is really golden and um big shout out to all those gorgeous phd circle members um yeah, absolutely 
so we so we've talked about your your own your own research um processes we talked about the kind of this kind of seasonal aspect of reflection where we are right now um and we also um talked about what that can yeah what that can offer you in terms of your research processes um so I'm now going to ask this kind of unfair question like I ask everybody in terms of sort of top tips for um reflection building reflection into um your life as a as a phd researcher yeah yeah i think the top tip is start now um right <laughs> so many there are so many different systems so many different books out there so many different ways to approach this that i think that it can become overwhelming if we've not had a reflective practice before so I would say that if this is something you want to explore further, then start it today and start it by um, doing a really simple gratitude reflective practice today of writing down five things that you're grateful for today and do that every day from now until whenever that process needs to change and evolve, because that's the second part of this top tip. The first part is start right now. The second part is allow your reflective practice to grow and evolve and change for you over time. If you're spending five minutes at the end of the day reflecting on that day, that's brilliant. And then you might find that in a few weeks or in a few months, you want to do a much longer seasonal reflective practice or an annual reflective practice, like the really great book that you were just referring to. So start now and then allow that process to grow and evolve and change what you need it to be over the months and years ahead love that and I think that that's something else that we talk about a lot in terms of the practices that have served you up to now may not serve you in in the PhD process and um, because this is such it's such I mean it's fantastic because it's like this liminal space it's it's a fantastic transition um so there's there's kind of all the gorgeousness of that but also there's this sense of actually now I need some new practices now I need some new tools now I need some new ways of working so it's an opportunity to to bring those on board but you also may find yourself kind of it may be necessary you may have to bring them because because of um what what has as say you've just outgrown what's what's been before um, which is a good sign but can be kind of painful in terms of like mm, things aren't really working so kind of searching out what you can what you can do to um expand your practice I guess absolutely absolutely um and we will have in the show notes as I say some references to material that you might want to have a look at and we will also have um links to your work Alan um which is just fabulous and your your work um lots around kind of especially tailored for, for doctoral researchers in terms of mindfulness and mindful practice and we also we will also put a link in to the PhD circle um, because the, the next one coming up after this recording will be about reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a brilliant moment. If you did want to come and join us and start on your sort of reflective processes, you are very, very welcome. We'll put a link in for that. Um, thank you so much for being here, Alan. Thank you, Emma. Um, and thank you all for listening. Thank you.